beans, beans, beans. I said, what? I said, beans, beans, beans. 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 All right. Thank you to Jesse Lingard and Marcus Rashford, uh, big fans of the show. You know, we we reached out to them uh, during our hiatus, and they put that together for us. So we, we really appreciate that, guys. Welcome to the Banter FC podcast. We've missed you guys. We've been away for a bit. Uh, you know, the holidays are crazy. People getting new jobs, and then... We were ready to go a few weeks ago, and Liverpool hit a bad run of form, and Ryan just kept refusing to do the podcast. So couldn't handle it. We, yeah, we had to we had to wait for them to have a couple big wins under their belt, and we're back again. So uh, this is Jake. I am joined by Ryan and Josh. Uh, the transfer window has closed, so we're gonna do a quick. Eh, maybe quick. We'll see. Recap of the transfers. Take a look at the table. There's been a ton of matches. There will continue to be a ton of matches as this kind of crazy COVID schedule plays out. Uh, All of us were together on Saturday to watch Arsenal and United. So we will talk about that thrilling nil-nil draw. Uh, And then if you follow us on Twitter, which if you're listening to this and don't follow us on Twitter, that is, how did you find this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But if you don't, uh, if you've seen on Twitter, we have made a uh, WWE King of the Ring, if you will, elimination tournament of different Premier League players, managers. So we're going to go through the first round of that kind of make our picks, uh, hear what our Twitter followers had to say, and that will continue uh, for the next few weeks until we crown a champion. Uh, Which, real quick, let me just say, as the resident wrestling, professional wrestling fan on this podcast, uh, huge shout out to Edge for winning the Royal Rumble last night. Edge, I know you're listening to this. Congrats, buddy. Uh, we're all we're all proud of you. Can't wait to see you at WrestleMania. He's a day one guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Edge is a big fan of us. In uh, Because it's what Edge would want. He wouldn't want us <laughs> here just talking about him. He likes all our tweets about Jamie Vardy. He loves him. He does, yeah. Edge, Edge is a big Jamie Vardy guy. Yeah, crazy. Shocking. Um, I don't think we have any Premier League players that have uh, attempted an edge spear in a match. Just Phil Jones on the football the one time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no. Let's the the transfer window is technically closed. There's I know there's some weird lingering rules about players within England, but yeah, it's fu- functionally the transfers. Transfer windows closed, so... Yeah, United are not signing Sancho. (laughs) No, they are not. Uh, I'll I'll send it over to Ryan, because uh, Liverpool seem to uh, leave basically all of their business for today. Uh, So I I will let you kick it off. Yeah, today was just one of those days. It was a classic shove it in the face of the Twitter warriors of the Liverpool fanhood. It's been tough losing Van Dyke, Gomez, you know, just cycling through different center back options. And everyone was just saying, we're not signing anyone. We need to. Turns out Michael Edwards, he worked his magic again. We get two signings in under three million pounds. We got Ben Davies, the Ben Davies we all know and love that we're all very familiar with from Preston. And then uh, signed Kabak from Schalk, who's a... Aside, not necessarily known for their defense at the moment, but it's someone I know that they've kept their eye on at Liverpool. So it's exciting to get these guys in. And, you know, there was, I think, a 45-minute to an hour gap where it's like, this is incredible. Like, Fabinho and Henderson are going to get to play in the midfield with Thiago. And then, you know, about an hour later, Liverpool waited to drop the bomb that Joel Matip will not be playing for the rest of the season. Uh, 
so that hurts, but at least we addressed buying two center backs. When they'll be able to start for the team, I have no clue. It's it's kind of crazy to expect either of these guys to walk into one of the best teams in the world just from the situations that they were previously in. But exciting nonetheless, and hopefully Liverpool's midfielders can kind of get back to playing in the midfield instead of shuffling back and forth in the uh, center back position. And then the, the shock at, right at the end, as they love to say, that 11th hour deal to Kumi Minamino on his way out on loan to Southampton. I don't know. He, he's been someone that people always want and expect a ton out of. I mean, we bought him for like 7 million pounds. So, you know, he hasn't done much, but there's a feeling that he's great. But I, overall, I'm happy with how things turned out for Liverpool here. I can go next and and kind of talk about West Ham. So if you look, the two largest deals completed in the January transfer window in the uh, Premier League are both West Ham. So they made uh, Saeed Benrama permanent and also sold Sebastian Allaire. Never knew how to say his name. I guess at this point, I will never have to learn how to officially say it. So that's, yeah, that's something to look forward to, I guess. You know, nothing else happening other than Jesse Lingard coming in on loan. I mean, I, th- I think there's potential. Like, I think he really got buried at Man United. And you look at some of the talent they have playing a similar position, like, Unless Bruno Fernandez is hurt, like you're you're never gonna choose to play Jesse Lingard over him. I don't it doesn't seem like a player that West Ham needs right now. They sold Sebastian Allaire and their only striker is Michael Antonio, who as history has shown is yeah, very thick, but uh not the most durable. Uh, has a pretty pretty consistent injury record, so I don't really know <laughs> who they're going to look to to play striker if he's out. Um, you know, it would I guess it would probably be somebody like Lanzini playing in like a center forward thing, but then you get into kind of very avant-garde football manager strategies where you're playing without a striker and it's just wingers and I I don't know. It's the team does not have a lot of depth. I wish they would have gotten another striker. There were reports that they had money to go and get another striker. Um, you know, guys like Josh King and probably would have been in that budget. Who knows? But do you need a striker when you have someone like Craig Dawson on your team? <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. Two goals from Craig Dawson uh, in essentially a month and a half of playing. He finishes like Mo Salah. <laughs> yeah. Pro- probably more goals than Alair had this season for West Ham. Uh, and then Suchek leading the team with seven goals. Uh, maybe they don't need a striker and just a Craig Dawson or a Thomas Suchek. Hey, maybe let Issa Diop play striker. He's not playing center back for him at all. And there were reports months ago that he was practicing at striker in training. But who knows? I don't know. It's They have no depth. And it's a team that just in general has... A history of injuries so it doesn't seem like they're set up well but they're doing better than I thought they would at this point anyway so why not why not keep believing all right Josh Arsenal big move yeah Arsenal uh, I would say a very bittersweet transfer window from my perspective more sweetness overall I think you know for many years now Arsenal's had a lot of baggage on their team you know, I think we know the biggest player to be a part of that. He obviously moved, but that's that's the bitter part. I'm sad to see him go, Mesut Ozil, but he was my guy. But I, even I can say as one of his ardent supporters that it was time for him to move on and glad that got wrapped up and we're, I don't think we have any financial obligations to him anymore, which is huge for any team right now in this cash-strapped world we are in with COVID. Clears up a lot of space on the wage bill. 
Absolutely. And then also with that, you know, was sneaky is today and recently Kolasinac left and then today Mustafi left. Both those guys were on pretty high wages. And for me, they came on right as I started supporting Arsenal just, you know, in the last decade. And I was kind of like, I thought Arsene Wenger was known for his transfer prowess. And when those guys started playing for the team, I thought, I don't know what he does that that really deserves that reputation because those two guys were shocking sometimes with how they played so that's done and then you know we got a lot of the young guns who weren't getting a whole lot of playing time we got them out the door on loans to go get playing time within the premier league and i think that's a good sign you know guys like maitland niles and joe willick um, i think they're prospects that are regarded by arsenal fans but they're not quite in the starting 11 yet so hopefully they can develop you touched on it but the end of ozil and mustafi at arsenal is such an end of an era getting in to the premier league when i started to in the i don't know like 2013 14 ish time you know they they were guys who were big time performers but were also on the receiving end of almost the first and biggest internet criticisms towards players whether being called invisible or just mustafi pulling his stunts I mean, he has a great heir apparent in David Luiz filling in for him, but it's the end of an era. And it's been weird as an Arsenal fan. I mean, we had, thank you to Ryan for canceling the pod, we had a run where people were using the R word around the Arsenal team, but now they've seen the recover. <laughs> and we've had, we've had a couple games, like five or six, without a crazy defensive error. So it's like maybe, maybe the tide is shifting slightly and we can get out of being a mid-table powerhouse that we've seemed to be for the last handful of years. But yeah, thanks for the memories, Mustafi. Definitely thanks for the memories, Ozil. Personally, Kolasinac was like my least favorite Arsenal player, despite his heroic attempts to defend Mesut Ozil by the jump. <laughs> Saved just, a life. I don't know if, I don't know if Kolasinac... He succeeded. He succeeded. Yeah, yeah. well, it's an attempt, and he did a great job, so he succeeded. But also, Kolasinac, I don't know if he ever completed a pass like in the offensive third of the of the field loved his energy but just as a player not what we needed to try to compete thought he was a defender he was but he was a wingback he was a left wingback he'd get up there he could pass the ball backwards and then every time it's just not how we want to play um overall good stuff oh and we got you know the symmetry of football i know it's been said a million times on twitter the last week but we got rid of the umlaut o in Mesut and we picked up the O with the slashy thing. If anyone knows what that is listening to this, please tweet us. I don't know what it's called, whatever's in Odegaard's name, but let us know. That guy's a lot of Twitter drama as well. You know, he's been, his career is well documented. We'll see what happens with him. Happy, happy to be focused on the games now rather than the off-field stuff. The absolute disrespect to not mention Socrates at all in all of this also leaving for olympiacos i think think you need to give him his brand like they just he just was like hey don't even bother coming in for the last like couple months (laughs) and then talk about all-time happy looking pictures when he signed it's like i I don't know if he ever smiles and he definitely was not smiling in his announcement picture for olympiacos but back in his home country now so hopefully he can can love it there uh teaming up with uh Kenny Lala, I sent, we have our group chat. That was a guy who, two years ago, for those of you that played a bunch of FIFA 19, he had maybe more team of the weeks than anyone, team of the season, one of the best right backs in FIFA 19. Uh, Fast forward 18 months later, he is playing for Olympiacos now, which is, I don't know, that's the feels like the definition of a one season wonder uh, yeah, it's really going to cut down on but, his promo card production yes oh yeah not yeah you won't see any kenny lala promo cards coming going forward on a uh, fifa well i think one thing we might want to point out too is that i forget what the number is but they came out i think and said it's something maybe like 53 americans are now signed to teams in Europe's top leagues, which is something very exciting. Some people have already been out there and they're moving around like a Yedlin type. But, I mean, it's exciting that Matthew Hoppy signed his first professional contract today. 
and, mm-hmm. and coming off the back of a huge redemption 7-0 win against Trinidad and Tobago, it feels feels like there's a good wave of American football players, soccer players getting out in the world, and hopefully that translates moving forward. Mm-hmm. Just a couple names here looking at the list of transfers. Um, a couple specific people I want to shout out. Uh, Lucas Piazon, who was the longest tenured player at Chelsea and would just get loaned out every single year, uh, is finally gone for good back to, uh, or not back to Portugal. He's not Portuguese, but he's going to Portugal. Uh, and then Ryan just mentioned DeAndre Yedlin going to Galatasaray. Just seeing it here. Always forget DeAndre Yedlin has a Latvian passport. He is he is technically a dual citizen. Uh, I think he made the right choice. I don't think the Latvian... Well, I guess the U.S. team wasn't in the last World Cup either. So, kind of a wash there. But Akron's finest. Yes. Yeah. And then, has there been a tweet yet about Josh King? I think that's like the last outstanding one. Our, our guy Kyle yeah, said thought- it was looking Everton. I- I thought Everton had like a really minor tweet. It wasn't like an announcement tweet, but it was just like we can confirm we signed him. Okay, I, I mean, saw, yeah, he, Everton. We've completed fifty-one minutes ago. We've completed the signing of jo- signing of Joshua King. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's nothing a, really crazy because it's so deadline day ish. Right, but that that that's an interesting one because he's the perfect person via FIFA, you know, like a 90 speed guy that you're like, oh, he could be good. He's, he's just got to get his shot. So I don't think he'll play much behind DCL, but who knows? I know Kyle is excited about that. So yeah, I mean, that that's one of the ones I think they got that extension to yeah get that signed and announced mm-hmm. at like 2 a.m. England time. But any other right heavy hitters we got? Or are we ready to move well, on? Well, no, and just... Just with Josh King, that's a guy that I kind of mentioned it earlier, like, why West Ham didn't try to go after him more. Like, the the money is there. Allegedly, the money was there. I, I don't know. Like, I think you need more than one striker on your roster, unless they really think some of these young guys are good. I know they had kind of a COVID outbreak in the U23s, so they were using two goalkeepers on the bench because it was literally like the only people that were allowed to be with the team but i don't know we'll see but yeah let's let's turn towards the uh tape oh go ahead keep keeping it with the joshes though we got to shout out as big sunderland till i die fans josh maja Uh season season two confirmed he's he's in the premier league Uh he's going to fulham so that's that'll be cool see if he can produce the magic he did when he was on the netflix when he was on the Netflix cameras, you know, we'll see. He's a uh, he's a heartbreaker. That guy. Yeah, you you could see it coming yeah. from a mile away. He was ripping some teaming up with an all time heartbreaker and Scott Parker. So we'll see. <laughs> could be. All right, looking to the uh, table here, we have just kind of starting at the top. So we're we are kind of right at halfway. Uh, so first place, 44 points, uh, Manchester City, I mean, what, <laughs> what, I think when, when we, I'm looking at our preseason predictions, I think all of us, except for Ryan, had Man City winning the league. I, I, I feel like they kind of got off everyone hating them. No. Well, yeah, didn't stop hating them, but they have gotten way less hate when it was literally almost a year ago. A year to the date, nearly. They got, like, the death penalty from FIFA or UEFA. That, <laughs> and, yes. and now they are literally back to... They signed Nathan Ake for, like, $50 million. And I don't think he's seen green grass in Manchester. Like, it's wild. They, it, like, one of the most promising young guys. And they, they just haven't walked away. It's, it's crazy. We had a tweet... I put out there it's like Ilkay Gundogan is now like the hottest scorer in the league he's he's such a boring player to me but he makes some unbelievable plays but in the end I always think it's so lame and boring because it's Gundogan but they're, they're so good it's very annoying no, we're, we're on opposition on Gundogan I think he's cool 
No. But I, I like I like those German dudes. Real quick, Nathan Ake has made five appearances in the Premier League. Six, six, six appearances in the Premier League. Uh, Fifteen appearances total. Yeah, let's let's not get too caught up on Man City. It's like the, we know right. It, it must be nice to City. it must be nice to spend that much on a guy that barely is gonna play. Second place, we have Manchester United. Three points back. I mean, we watched that thrilling uh, Man United Arsenal draw. I get it. Like they're, I understand that they're good, but oh man, I, <laughs> I don't want to watch a Man United and Arsenal game again after this weekend. Yeah, Ole kind of tucks back in against traditional powers or like the big games. Sawyer was saying that. Mm-hmm. Shout out him for not being here, but we'll say it what he was saying. You know, so that's just that's how both Arsenal Man United games were. It's a good strategy. Like Yeah. But that, that just tells me it's like it they're worked. not a team that goes for it. It's not fun. They're not a team that goes no. for it. They're not gonna try to win the title. They're just gonna try to not lose it. And I don't think that works when you have teams like Man City or a team like Liverpool mm-hmm. when they're healthy. Like they're just they're just flat out better. And and Bruno mm-hmm. Fernandes and Pogba are very classy players, but if you're not gonna like unlock them in against good teams, it's like, well, what's the point? You know, Ole's got a ceiling, I think. As we were talking about Man City, like you just have that overwhelming sense that they're. I don't like watching them because they just dominate, and there's just something different about Man United. Like obviously a good team, but like you have the overall feeling when you watch them play that they definitely don't have what it takes to make it the full way through. They, like Josh said, Fernandez, Pogba, and I'd throw in Rashford too, but like all great players, but I don't know. I don't want to sound salty, but you know, some of their wins seemed a bit lucky the way that they got them, but you know, that's part of being a good team too. You always have a chance to win. But yeah, there's just something when you see them go up against a big team and they kind of cower away, just makes you think that there's, I don't know, some lack of confidence in how good they can really be. Yeah, and and kind of adding on to that, if a random person watched Man City and Man United that didn't follow soccer at all, like you, you would think the gap between those two teams is cavernous, like just watching them play and how they play. So third place, we have Liverpool on uh, 40 points. We've talked about them good enough at this point. So, But, I mean, that's what it was. They came into a really rough stretch of form where they set their Premier League record of not scoring a goal since, like, the 80s or something. It had been 40 years since they hadn't scored a goal in that long. And it just really seemed like one of those stretches that once you score a goal, maybe they'll get out of it but the way that teams play Liverpool everybody sits back and I understand it because it was working everyone sits back and then I think it's just one of those ones where you know if you get into halftime and Liverpool don't have a goal it was getting to that point where Klopp was just probably very fed up the players were fed up but luckily in these last two matches they were able to break that obviously a lot going on with the team but whether they can make a run at the title, I, I'll stay hopeful. But obviously, they're you know really having to shuffle a lot of people around. But they're at least coming into a good form at this point. We'll get to West Ham in a second. But West Ham sitting back kind of disappointed me. I mean, Jordan Henderson and Phillips being the two center backs. Like, if you're ever going to be like, all right, like right, let's go out and attack Liverpool... Like, that's the time and to do it. And I don't it. know what it is, because Mikel Antonio is one of those Liverpool kryptonite players. Like, seems like he always gets a goal, and Nat, I don't know what it was. I don't know what he had for breakfast or lunch that day, but Nat Phillips, I mean, he's a crazy man. He, I assume if you watch soccer in the 80s, there were 10 Nat Phillips on the field, and that's how they used to play. Like, he's going to smash his head into the ball or anything near the ball and just kick the ball as far away as he can. But, yeah, it was kind of crazy the way. I, I thought West Ham's usually tricky, but, yeah, it was an interesting setup. Yeah, but too way too negative. 
Uh, fourth place, we have Leicester on 39 points. I don't have a lot to say about Leicester. I mean, they're at this point, it's just like, yep, they're always going to be there. Like, they're not going to do anything particularly flashy. Jamie Vardy's going to get a ton of goals. Kasper Schmeichel's going to be very competent. Like, it's like you, you don't watch it Leicester playing, unless they're playing your team. So it's like, yep. they don't really move the needle. <laughs> and I think when you have Brendan Rodgers, that's what you get. You'll get runs of wins. You'll get runs of disappointing outcomes. And their plus minus are going to be fourth to seventh, I think, with him. I don't see them making a run to challenge for the title or anything, but I also don't see them dropping any lower than like seventh or eighth the rest of the season. Fifth place, West Ham United. I mean, they have to be the most surprising team, right? In terms of above where people thought they would be. I guess them or Villa, which we can talk about Villa in a second. But the one thing, I, I mean, I'm over the moon as a West Ham fan. But the one thing I do want to point out real quick, uh, David Gold, one of West Ham's owners, these are his past two tweets. And if this is not a bad omen, like, I don't know what is. So two days ago, he tweeted, Newcastle beat Everton at Goodison Park 2-0 to keep West Ham in sixth place above Tottenham, Everton, Chelsea, and Arsenal. Happy days, DG. He signs all of his tweets. Uh, So bad, like, Okay, and then yesterday he tweeted, Sadly, West Ham lost to Liverpool 3-1, but Tottenham lost to lowly Brighton 1-0, so we remain fifth in the league. DG. West Ham has literally never beat Brighton in the Premier League, and he he referred to them as lowly. Like, that is hubris, that is karma, whatever you want to call it. That is a bad sign. A million percent chance that every single team he mentioned in that one tweet will finish yes. above West Ham. <laughs> yes, like there, there is <laughs> bet bet your life savings on the next Brighton West Ham match on Brighton a- after he <laughs> posts something like that. Like, well, we'll have to keep that in yes. the back of our mind. You you need to screenshot that and like yes. save it for the date when they play, so we can put that out there as like a banter bet. You need to have but this. Yeah, that, that, the, the stat to go along with that is West Ham has literally never beaten, quote, lowly Brighton in the Premier League. So that's all I have to say about West Ham. What what are we thinking about hopping to maybe the bottom of the table? Is is there Give us the, the relegation battle. We don't need to hear that. Yeah, that's, there's a big mid-table. They're all kind of... I mean, these teams could all fluctuate so much. But looking towards the bottom, so 17th, um, I mean, they're seven points clear is Brighton. So I, I guess the real question is, so Brighton's at 17th, then we have Fulham, West Brom, Sheffield, 18, 19, 20. Do we see that changing at all? That's a great question. I hope it does. I, like... <laughs> I think it will. I think it will. Okay, so who who do you think gets out and who do you think drops? I think Scott Parker and company, they're starting to like put a little bit something together. They actually play the game. I I'll be very excited that hopefully Big Sam's run ends. And it'll be very annoying that like the only team he got points off of, one of the only teams was Liverpool that he got points off of, but I'm hoping that ends. But I, I think I think Fulham can do it. It would have been huge if they got Josh King, but we'll see what that matcha does. And love saying the name Bobby DeCordova Reed. I think, I think they've got a shot. And who who's above Brighton? I could see it being Brighton. Well, but... so so that's the thing. I said Brighton in seventeenth, but if you look, it's really Wolves are at twenty three well, points, which is that insane. was the, like that was the one team I wanted to bring up. That's like been the disappointment of the season is Wolves. It's tough to say disappointment of the season too because they sold Jota who he hasn't played for months but obviously proved what he can do in mm-hmm. all environments and then, you know, their star striker got his skull fractured. They so. have they have had yeah, it's it's not the same team in the years past, but But they they do not look good and I could see them. I could see the the little free fall for them. 
Right. So you have Wolves at 23 points, Newcastle. So so I think if a team is going to get relegated that's not in the relegation zone, it'll be Newcastle. Like, Newcastle at 22 points, Burnley at 22 points, Brighton at 21 points. I just feel like there is always... There's... Like, Newcastle is not a good workplace, I feel like. Like, being there, there's always something going on with that club. Like, I, it seems like not, I don't know. A great, not a great mood. I don't know. I think that's... I don't see that with Newcastle. I personally want them in the... I like them in the Premier League. I want them to stay. I don't, I don't see... I don't share that opinion. But... I guess there's always drama, if that's where you're getting at, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, there, there's always something surrounding the club that's not not the performance on the field. Right. Owner, ownership is definitely an issue. Yes. All those three teams that you mentioned on 22 and 21 points, Newcastle would be the one I'd want to stay. And, and I'd like Fulham to jump either Brighton or Burnley. Because I, I don't know if yeah. I would miss them in the league, either of those teams. Especially not Brighton. We may have talked about it on this podcast before. You could give me a list of twenty players and say, "Do they play for Brighton or Burnley?" And I, I would not do well on that quiz. Like those teams are kind of the same in my mind. I think when it gets down to it as well, I I don't think Wolves will go down. Even though I wanted to highlight them, but I think the one interesting thing is of all these teams that were mentioned. They are the only one who has not, at least recently, had a scrap for relegation. So, like, the more they hang around in that zone and, like, you know, they lose another game, Fulham wins, and it's a four points between them and relegation. All those other teams, they live in the darkness, those other teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's well, the, yeah, uh, it's hard, we can't say that about Wolves, right? Because is, isn't this just their second year up, or is it third? Like, they really haven't I think it's, it's their to scrap for relegation. Third. It's their it's their third, and they did. I'm just saying they did well the last two years. Yeah. Right, definitely their third because they're in Europa League last year. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the tough part with them is just we've talked about it off the pod, but I think teams are more gassed than they let on. I mean, look at the injuries yeah. in a lot of our teams. Mm-hmm. And Wolves, mm-hmm. Wolves, I think only play like 15 guys. Like they have, a, I think they have the right. smallest actual usage rate of their roster. And then you know, selling Jota and then Jimenez having that gruesome injury, it's like. They're a chemistry team. We all know that based on their Portuguese signings. Hopefully they stay up. Yep. Sorry, I'm just kind of reiterating what other No, I, I think they stay up, but but that is a good point of them. Because, yeah, you look at Newcastle, Burnley, Brighton, Fulham, West Brom, Sheffield. Like, it, it's the James Franco, oh, first time meme with the, with the noose around yeah. his neck. Like, this is... Those teams are used to it. Like... I, I feel yeah, like they're kind of always right there, but I do agree. If some, I I think West Brom and Sheffield are done. Like they are, <laughs> Sheffield especially is going is being relegated. West Brom, I don't see how they get out of it. I would like to see Fulham stick around though, and yeah, I I don't know. I mean, they're seven points in the relegation zone. Like that's going to be really tough to overcome. Real quick, the one last team I will mention, I think we said Aston Villa, or, sorry, spoiler alert, West Ham I think is the, probably the team highest above expectations. I have to imagine Aston Villa is second. I mean, they barely avoided relegation last year and are now ninth with two games in hand on most of the teams above them. Uh, they play West Ham this week, and really the only thing I wanted to say was if preseason you told someone, hey, West Ham and Aston Villa are playing in early February and it's a big match, I think 99% of people would be like, oh, it's because of relegation and not like, oh, like whoever wins this match it takes a step towards getting into European competition, which is... An insane thing to say. <laughs> it, it, it was with pure intention that we were going to do, and we plan on doing in the future, a match of the week. We wound up picking Arsenal Man United, and I just don't... We we all live through the pain once. We don't need to live through the pain again. I'm thinking next weekend, not, not to be selfish, but it'll 
probably wind up being uh, Liverpool, Man City, as that yes. could have big bearing for the rest of the season. So whoa, I think at whoa, this whoa, point whoa. now, Jake just talked about Villa, West Ham. I'm just kidding. True, of course, true, it should true. Be. Could be. It should, it should I, be Man City, Liverpool. There should be no uh, I, no question on that. I, no, it yeah, it should it should not be. Yes, it's but not City, Liverpool for sure. Now we can get into. We're gonna try and do a bracket a month, really. If we, you know, we get out a podcast a week. So this bracket, Jake talked about it. It's a Premier League WWE. Uh, we've been tweeting polls, so if you follow us, make sure to vote. That'll count for one of the votes, and we'll hold the tiebreaker, whoever you choose. And right now, we'll do a quick little talk about the matchups and who we pick to win, and from there, we'll have our Elite Eight. So. The first matchup, the number one overall seed, Jamie Vardy against N'Golo Conte. It was a runaway in the polls. Anybody like to uh, start us off on this one? Yeah, I got I got something to say. Say Conte, you know, he's a real terrier on the field, but he's no um, UMBC terrier in this bracket. <laughs> he's not upsetting the number one seed. Jamie Vardy's rolling. He's saying chat shit, get banged. Yes. The, the whole crowd yeah. is chanting it while he's, like, yes. spearheading him. And Golan Conte is just too too mild-mannered to whatever you want to call it. He does not he does not have what it takes to win a, a WWE-style match. And whereas Jamie Vardy will do literally whatever it takes to win a WWE-style match. Jamie Vardy wouldn't know WWE is scripted he would just go no. balls to the wall J- jamie vardy saw roman reigns run kevin owens over with a golf cart last night and just thought like yeah like I, I i've done i've done that before in a fight like that doesn't face <laughs> it that doesn't phase him at all in true like WWE wwe fashion too jamie vardy's in the ring and he's got his his wife like as his like match escort like <laughs> that's true <laughs> Like just yeah, that's true. For this. Like Rebecca Vardy, Rebecca Vardy would be ringside interference, and yeah, no, Conte has no chance. Great player, yeah. seems like a great guy, but that's not that's not going to get it done in this tournament. Nope. So the Twitter poll had it seventy two percent Vardy, twenty eight percent Conte. Yeah. Agreed. I want to correct the record to UMBC. They're they're the retrievers, but the joke still stands. <laughs> yeah, we'll can we'll we'll get that in post. Yeah. All right. Um, the next number one seed on the other side of the bracket, we had Big Sam versus Harry Kane. A, a tougher one eight matchup, I'd say. The Twitter poll went fifty nine percent Big Sam on this one. So here here's how I see it, which I I think I made this joke. Big, big guys such as the Big Show, Kane, you know, this This is not Royal Rumble, we're just doing a singles match, but every year the Big Show's in the Royal Rumble and they say, oh my gosh, how, how are they going to get the Big Show out? How are they going to get him over the top rope? And he's literally never won the Royal Rumble. So they, they figured it out every year. However, Harry Kane's biggest advantage is sliding under guys... <laughs> If if Big Sam would go to the top rope and try something, Harry Kane would slide under him and potentially break his neck. However, Big Sam's not going to do that. He He's staying on the ground. So I, I think that completely negates any anything Harry Kane could try to do. Yeah. Also think, when is Harry Kane not hurt? Like, I just don't think he has yep. the, uh, the staying power <laughs> yes. to handle That's a, true. A, a, an all-out brawl like this. So. Yeah, I think it's Big Sam. Yeah, I'm with you. It, yeah. I, I would love to see that compilation that goes around on Twitter of look how dirty Harry Kane is as he undercuts these people. If if we ever get good enough at Photoshop, we'll just add on to it and have Big Sam going off the top rope and Harry Kane undercutting. <laughs> but, but here's the thing, too. He tries that to Big Sam. It might hurt Harry Kane more than it hurts Big Sam. 100%. If if he lands right on if he lands right on Harry Kane's head or shoulder, broken collarbone, like it 
it, it's a it's a bad matchup for Harry Kane. It is. I, I think he he got a bad matchup, but Big Sam wins. Big Big Sam will move on. All right, the the next matchup, the two seven. This went exactly the way I expected it to online. It is Stan Kroenke versus Neil Mope, and we can see it now. Neil Mope, here's how I see it playing out. Neil Mope thinks he finishes the fight. He is doing the cry celebration that he did against Man United. The crowd is cheering. Then out of nowhere, Stan Kroenke, either himself or he pays someone off who comes in the ring. The commissioner comes in, finds a way, knocks Neil Mope out, like, knocks Neil Mope out of the ring, and he loses on a technicality, and Stan Kroenke paid one of his cronies to do the work, and he advances. Couldn't agree more. Yep. So, so I took the opposite route on that. I think, I, I think Stan and Neil come to an agreement themselves that Neil is going to work for Stan through the rest Ooh. of the through the rest of the tournament. You know, just a handshake Ooh, agreement. Okay. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I, I like that. Already doing I like that. If you that. watch, if you watch, okay. if you watch Brighton Arsenal last year, I almost wondered if he was doing that. You know, <laughs> kind of like the. Uh, okay. I mean, the yeah. Stan, guy, Stan, you know, he's got his goon. Stan Kroenke is really the. Uh, the Ted DiBiase million dollar man and all this. And I do, I do kind of like that point of, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to fight you, but you're fighting on my behalf. Now I, I think you've swung me. So I'm, I'm willing to vote Mope in a Stan Kroenke gets him on his side and lets him win. Wait, so so who who is technically moving on in this scenario? <laughs> so Neil Mope is moving Mope on. moves on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I can live with that. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. That, that's what it is. All right. <laughs> Neil Mope with the backing but of I Stan Kroenke. Yes. Yeah, but I think the reasoning for if anyone who voted for Stan Kroenke is absolutely correct. That there's some devious moves being made. Yes. And then it's just Neil Mope moving in, moving forward in in form, but not in actual fashion. Got it. St- St- Stan Kroenke is not winning in a straight-up match. So right. I mean, the guy doesn't yeah. even come to games. That guy's not get- getting his hands dirty. <laughs> True. Right. True. Right. All right. The next matchup, the next 7-2, uh, Twitter had us with another upset. It was Jordan Pickford versus Marcelo Bielsa, and they had Bielsa winning 57% of the vote. I... I love this because you know, he's just a madman. So, I, Jake, I'm I'm sure the comparisons can rush to your mind. He, yeah, I mean, he there there are so many. Like he, you could go old school, uh, George the Animal Steel, who was a very hairy old man who would literally like eat the ring ring post covers and stuff like that, but. But I think there's a there's a method to his madness. He's he's kind of a crazy out there old guy, but he's not insane. It's more of like a a genius that that can't be contained. And the fact he's able to squat for ninety minutes is insane. Like he used to sit on the <laughs> he used to sit on the thing. Now he just squats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In case in point. That that negates Pickford's best move. I mean, <laughs> yes, strong. Yes, <laughs> Be- yeah. Bielsa, Bielsa has strong knees, and he gives such a small target for Pickford to go after. Right. Yep. Yeah, I, 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 I love I, I think I love that. that. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll we'll move Bielsa on in that. This was the Iron Man match. Was not as close as I wanted it to be. I think it's because we have more. Liverpool followers, but it was James Milner versus Mark Noble, and James Milner won sixty-seven percent of the vote here. Yeah, I, I saw that. I didn't love that. I mean, I I think it's exactly right that we have more Liverpool supporters. But have you guys seen Mark Noble? Like he wears a Peaky Blinders hat. Like he's got his guys. Like he defended the ring. He defended West Ham yes. Stadium. <laughs> yes. Exactly. It's yes. like, dude, not only is he a grinder himself, he's got his guys in the Peaky Blinders hats. James Milner, smart dude, knows what's up. I think that's another gentleman's agreement where he's like, hey, man, 
I'm gonna go home and film goofy Instagram videos. Mark Noble, you can move on. That yeah. that was gonna be my argument. It's two two old guys, two very staunch competitors. I just think when it comes down to it, James Milner is. I don't think he has that edge. And and Mark Noble, growing up in Canning Town, he he has that edge. I think he you know he came from kind of a rough upbringing, like. He he's willing to do it. I so my personal pick is Mark Noble, but this is definitely a match where after they win, there's a moment in the ring where they they shake hands. James Milner lifts his hand. It's (laughs) the utmost respect between the two of them. But I I think Mark Noble has the X factor. What are those dudes like from like the mid two thousands? Like WWE? Like not Ric Flair? The dude who was like the the Olympic champion wrestler that Kurt, Kurt Angle Kurt Angle West, like, I'm thinking West like Ham him. fan Kurt Angle <laughs> yes I'm thinking oh, like, yeah. like him Mark and another no- guy Mark Noblaz, Kurt Angle, and Triple H, and Dave Batista. They're all they're pictures of all three of them holding West Ham jersey kits <laughs> shirts James Milner has Sheamus come out that's and single never walk true. alone everyone that's will just true. want to quit like I Love Liverpool with all my heart. I love how much everybody supports it, but man, was my skin crawling that time he sang that on NBCSN at the Fan Fest. I, that that made me contemplate fanhood more than anything. We we could have not signed any center backs, and I would have felt better about Liverpool in the moment than when Sheamus sang "You'll Never Walk Alone" on TV. But I I'm I'm with you guys. I think this match could last. 10 hours james milner would never ever ever quit but he'd never be dirty enough the way mark noble yes to win the match yes all right exactly mark Mark noble mark noble turned on west ham fan he attacked a west ham fan like he's willing to do what it takes all right next one the next four or five is richarlison versus sean deitch and sean deitch won 77 percent of the vote on this one (laughs) <laughs> I was I was surprised that like that was maybe our biggest margin. I get I guess. <laughs> I, I was I was torn on this. I was torn on this one. I, I think we gotta listen to the people. I, I I was torn on this one too, but I think that sets up the uh, big Sam Sean Dyche match. <laughs> so I think yeah yeah happen. I think I think we just let that happen. We don't we don't get in fate's way. All right, we'll move to the next yeah. one. This one. Surprised me too, and I I honestly don't know. Like my instant thought goes to Liverpool fans just not voting for any rival person, but it's Harry Maguire versus Tyrone Mings. Uh, Mings wins this one seventy one percent of the vote. And they're both big physical guys, and the only thing I will say, <laughs> the only thing I will say, and this is it is what it is. Harry Kane. Kind of proved this summer. I'm not sure how great he is in a fight scenario. I don't know if he can exactly. really fend it off. So I'm good to go with Tyrone Mings. Ty- Tyrone Mings is jacked too, by the way. I, well, you say that. I'm I'm gonna read off the tale of the tape here because this is shocking. Harry Maguire listed at six foot four, two hundred and twenty pounds. Tyrone Mings. Listed at six foot five, one hundred and seventy six pounds. There's no, There's no way, way he's one hundred and seventy six pounds. There's no way. Definitely more than that. But he's super lean. He's shredded. Like right. Slabhead just, you know, Slabhead carries a little more weight. Yes. Yeah. Harry Maguire is more of a. He's got like sixty pounds above the shoulders. Yeah. Well, yes, that too. A little top, little top heavy. But yeah, yeah, I I think it has to be Tyrone Mings. Like he he is shredded. All right, Dude, Tyrone and, Mings has a yeah. gym in his house with his own logo on it. Like, guy's serious. <laughs> well, we'll get in. Someone jot this down right now. One of the best brackets we can do moving forward is corniest or worst uh, player logos. Like everyone has it somehow. Ooh, nice, yeah. That'll be a great bracket going forward because. You can so easily find those. They're so corny, so disgusting. We'll do that. 
real quick, can I? Can we do a quick aside? Less than a minute. No, you said corn. You said corn. Yes. Oh, okay. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> the for for those of you that don't follow Andy Carroll on Instagram, please look at his most recent Instagram <laughs> of him doing a face swap with the Joker from the movie Joker. It is. <laughs> It is insane. <laughs> it's so well done. It's like well done, but it is like he saw that movie and like did not like didn't get didn't get the point of like who the good guy and who the bad guy was. Oh man. All right, that and that's that it. Is, that is a wild video. And then <laughs> I was wrong. This is the biggest uh disparity between anything any match. And it's Adama Traore versus Eric Dyer. And Adama Traore got 86% of the votes in this one. And that makes a lot of sense to me. I think it's another one people people forget Eric Dyer's also a big attack the crowd guy. So That's my reasoning for a Traore winning. It's like not Eric Dyer probably can't beat Traore straight up, but he definitely can't beat him when he's also trying to fight the crowd too. True. Very true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, tri- I mean, Triore can just... Uh, ultimate Warrior, think of a guy that's just absolutely massive. Like, he can do the the gorilla press slam, just lift Dyer up over his head and toss him. Like, I, he's I like a Marvel a, character. Yeah, he is. Like, I don't yeah. lift weights, but somehow he gets bigger. Like, every time he gets hit, he just gains five pounds of muscle. If he doesn't want to get hit... He can just run, like Dyer's literally never going to catch him, and he's literally never going to get tired. Like he can just run away from him if he gets hit or whatever. I, I think it's Triore easily. All right, so I think that'll wrap it up. Next next week, the matchups are set for Jamie Vardy versus Mark Noble, Tyrone Mings versus Marcelo Bielsa, <laughs> Big Sam versus Sean Dyche. And Adama Traore versus Neil Mope, parentheses, with the backing of Kroenke. Yes. So, I'm excited to see how that turns out. Not not to spoil anything, Jamie Vardy versus Mark Noble is going to be... Whew, that is going to be a, like, uh, ECW. There are going to be weapons. There will be blood. Like There will be that, blood. There, there, yes, there will be blood. hooligans. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. I think that'll do it for us tonight, today, whenever I you're think listening. So. Thank you for listening. It's good to be back. We'll be back next week. Bye. Beans. <laughs>